What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Perret. Today, I have an exciting episode with Mr. Hal Elrod, which uh, he doesn't know this, but we go way back. Uh, he's actually a reason that, probably a pretty big reason for this community being around, but we'll get to that in a minute. So, welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle 1, you're cleared to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic 1, Oscar Mike. Today's episode, actually, uh, ironically, I was going to mention this before, Alex, obviously you can't see him here. Alex, the co-host, is not on this show today, ironically, because he's running around Austin right now with camera, working for Brandon Turner, filming a podcast, which Hal is going to be a guest on here in like three hours, which is kind of funny that he had to miss this show because he's filming another show that, anyway. Uh, At least he gets to do one show with me today. There you go. I know. It was it was kind of funny because I sent a screenshot of my calendar to a friend of ours who's a, a fan of yours and was like you know, making, making fun, like, oh, look who I get to interview today. And then Alex was like, yeah, I don't get to be there screenshot because I'm interviewing him in person. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, you know, anyway, small world. So this episode is sponsored by our mastermind group. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But I want to get around to introducing our guest, right? So today's guest is, if you don't know who Hal Elrod is, honestly, like you probably haven't been around the community that long, but, uh, You should know who Al Elrod is by now. He is an international best-selling author, as if being just a number one best-selling author in the U.S. wasn't good enough. And and probably on, I don't even know how many books. I mean, you've got 20 or 30 books out, 40. I've lost count. There's so many books that Hal and his team have written, and a lot of them are top best-selling. But he is an international best-selling author, a motivational speaker. He's a fellow GoBro. He is... Pos- the, one of the most positive humans you're ever going to run into, and he's super passionate about elevating human consciousness. Uh, so, how welcome to the show, David. It is a pleasure, man. And uh, the uh, military millionaires community, thanks for listening. And let's make this uh, our best podcast ever. I I am all for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super stoked to uh, to be doing this and to have you on the show. This is this is gonna be a lot of fun. And and today we're gonna talk about so as much as we. You know, all those cool accolades and, and everything sounds great. Uh, you know, things weren't always smooth sailing for you. And uh, I think that's, you know, hearing you talk in the past, like, it's like a blessing in disguise, right? Uh, you took some and have taken uh, some hits along the way. And you've turned them into some really inspirational stories for a lot of people. And we're going to dig in that. But before we do, I kind of hinted at this before. And so we're going to try something that I have no idea if this is going to work. This could be a massive tech glitch for everybody, but we're going to try something live that I've never done before. And we're going to hope it works. And I wanted to show you something that I share every year on my Facebook that I think is kind of cool. So for the audience, for those listening, um, you won't get to see this. If you're watching this on video, you'll get to see it. I'm going to share my screen. This is the second video that everyone live on my YouTube channel. It's 81 seconds long. And I just think it's kind of cool. Uh, don't judge the quality of anything. Like I said, it's the second video of like 800 that have ever gone live on my my channel. But 
Uh, I uh, I just thought this would be a cool way to start off the show with you. I'm excited, man. I don't know if I'm more excited to see the video or if you can actually show the video. I'm, it's like a tie. <laughs> I know. We're going to find out. If I can pull this off, it'll be great. Maybe. If it actually works, right? It'd be great. Oh, I'm seeing the screen share. Here we go. As long as we can hear the audio, that's all. I hear the audio. Recap of February. Read the book Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod and uh, decided to give it a shot. Wake up at four in the morning every day for the last month and a half to spend some time in silence, some affirmations, visualizations, exercise, reading, and scribing or journaling as he discussed in his sabers. Uh, set a bunch of goals and basically met them all. For the last month, I recorded, edited, and published my first course on Udemy, about a two-hour course on the basics of real estate investing. Built a website, uh, Facebook, Instagram for the business from military to millionaire. Learned a lot about editing and website development, building courses and recording. Uh, got some traffic, gained some followers. We closed on a 10-year apartment complex yesterday or yeah, on the 28th of February. Finished reading this book, the one I was talking about. This book, three more on Audible. And basically learned a lot, hit every goal we had. Had an awesome month. Really look forward to what March has in store basic thing to take away from all of us is just get out there and take action good stuff will happen when you start start roaming you'll you'll move get out there Uh, what i loved is that your message there at the end is get out there and just take action imperfect action you were literally doing that right your second youtube video you know your oh it's the worst video ever (laughs) i mean the only thing that was really missing for me was the beard you you really lack of facial hair was kind of uh disturbing but other than that it was good yeah but, you know, it's like, I might have, I, I mean, I, as you heard in the video, right? Like, that was the first month I, I heard heard about your book. I read your book. I had just started implementing. That was the first time in my life I'd ever started waking up at 4 a.m. and reading books in the morning and started journaling. Uh, you know, I have been journaling in the morning, at, I'd like to say every day, but obviously that's would be all complete falsity. But uh, very consistently... Um, ever since, um, how many years ago was that video? Five. You read the miracle morning five years ago. And then was that part of you getting online and, and, and doing that stuff or, uh, it was right around the same. So Brandon was over at my house for dinner one night and I was trying to learn. I asked him a question about writing a book and he was like, start a blog. And I was like, what do I write about? He's like, uh, document your journey in real estate by like, you know, as a military dude, not a lot of people are doing that. And it was like, as I was reading your book, he's telling me that. And I was like, it was just kind of all like same month. Um, but your book was right. In fact, I actually don't believe that I had started journaling before reading your book. Uh, and or writing like gratitude out or uh, any of that. And I definitely hadn't started waking up at 4 a.m. before running with my platoon in the morning. Real quick, and David, I want to just clear up for anybody listening. The Miracle Morning doesn't have to start at 4 a.m. And the reason I'm saying that is because when I did my Miracle Morning, I used to wake up at 3, I still do, but 3.30 a.m. And so I'd always post on social media up at 3.30 a.m. for my Miracle Morning, right? And I would always talk about it and post about it. And it was a total blind spot that one day a friend of mine goes, Hal, you need to, people think the miracle morning is literally starting at 3.30 a.m. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, because that's all you talk about. She's like, you need to tell them they can do it at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. or just like a little earlier than they wake up. So like ever since then, I've been like, 
hypersensitive to going, oh yeah, you don't have to do it. You know, I, in fact, in the new, um, I'm doing a new edition of the book. Uh, they'll come out in about a year, but uh, I actually say in there, I go, this isn't the 5 a.m. club. Like you can do this at any time, you know? I mean, yeah. If you're working the night shift, you might start your miracle morning at 2 p.m., you know, who knows? But yeah. Admittedly, there is something really nice about waking up when the world's still Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. When it's still dark outside, there's something very empowering about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. You know, getting the journal done and everything done, and then the family wakes up is a pretty pretty nice. And ruin your whole day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm like, well, I, I mean, maybe not in those words. Uh, if you ever happen to listen to my podcast, uh, wife. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> you know, but 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 I mean, ideally, right? Like, I can't imagine trying to do like my weekly plan on Sunday. I mean, I can't imagine. I've I've definitely slept in enough to imagine trying to do that while my six year old is wanting to play. Uh, and it usually means that I'm doing it at night instead. <laughs> so, definitely not ideal by any means. So, all right. <laughs> now that we've gotten that out of the way, which I'm glad it worked. <laughs> so okay, so. Uh, I'm going to jump in with this one and then I will we'll go we'll definitely go back to your story for sure. Uh but I'm curious just right off the bat just to d- jump right in. Our audience is mostly service members and vets, right? And you face a lot of challenges in life, which we're going to get into here in a minute. Uh and service members and vets obviously have their own set of challenges, but a common one and one that I try to talk about a lot on the podcast is like transitioning out of the military, which doesn't sound like it would be that much of a challenge to most people, but essentially what you're doing is you're like losing your sense of purpose, losing your identity. Uh, you know, depending on how wrapped up you were in that, it can be very daunting uh, and just absolutely devastating to some people, uh, especially and just depending on what you got going on, it can be a really rough time. Uh, and I've talked to more friends that I would care to admit who, you know, came very close to losing it all, uh, no matter how successful. They had been just because of all of that. So I'm curious, um, you know, as someone who's gone through some pretty life altering changes and and struggles, uh, you know, what advice would you give to people who are struggling with, uh, you know, identity or just a big transition like that, uh, whether personal or professional um, obstacles and how can the miracle morning kind of help them with that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, the answer is is really the essence of the miracle morning and what it is. And if I were to sum up what the miracle morning is, it is a, it is a very specific daily ritual that is designed to help you become the best version of yourself. And to start every day, there's really two parts. Like big picture, it's you're becoming a better version of yourself every day because you are learning, you're growing, you're evolving. You're getting a little bit better each and every day, a better version of who you were than the the, the guy or gal that went to bed the night before. Um, and then in the in the in the that's the macro, right? That gradual progression. In the micro, it's starting every day in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state, so that when you start the day in in the best possible way, you're happier, you're more motivated, you have more clarity, so you actually you, you feel better, and then you you create a better day. Specific, though, um, to your question is if you're making a transition out of the military, and I've never been in the military, but I have had a lot of readers say you should write a miracle morning for veterans because there are so many military folks like yourself, David, you know, that, that, that have read the miracle morning and used it to make that transition so much more effective. And 
and here's here's my thought is that like when 2020 hit the pandemic right um or pandemic with an l in the middle depending on how you think about it right but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah whatever but it is who knows so with the pandemic hit though um here's the thing when we focus on that which is out of our control we feel out of control and we feel out of control and we experience anxiety, depression, and, and the extreme version of that is post-traumatic stress disorder, which I was diagnosed with in 2020 and all. We can, we can circle back to why that was. Um, but, but what I realized when 2020 hit, and as a leader of, I, you know, I lead this Miracle Morning community, there's millions of Miracle Morning readers and practitioners. And so I'm always asking like, okay, how can I lead by example? And I asked, okay, there's this pandemic going on in the world. Nobody, like, at that time, nobody knew what the heck was going on, right? And everybody, there's this collective fear and anxiety that's kind of blanketing not just the country, but the world, because it was this global pandemic. And what I realized is that when we focus on that, which is out of our control, we feel out of control. And so I asked myself, what should I be focusing on right now? And what should I be encouraging the people that I lead, the people that I love to focus on. And, 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 and the simplest high-level answer to that is, well, if when we focus on that which is out of our control, we feel out of control, which leads to anxiety, stress, and depression, then we should focus on only what's in our control. And if you actually, if you really look at what is in my control, the answer is you. The only thing that's in your control is what you focus on and what you do and that's it. And so for me, I doubled down my miracle morning. I went, I'm going to dedicate time every day to my, you know, meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, journaling. Like I'm going to go all in on first and foremost, my mental health, right? Because our mental health, I feel it's, it's become this crisis because again, it's collective stress and anxiety and fear that we're all facing. So First and foremost, our mental health is what affects everything else, right? If your mental health isn't in order and mental health, you know, that's your level of stress and, and, and your, your general mental and emotional well-being, right? So on and so forth. But that's the answer is that when you're transitioning out of the military, focus on a daily practice, like obviously we're talking about the miracle morning, but that enables you to start every day in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state that enables you to learn, grow, evolve, and show up every single day at your best for those you love and those you lead. And if you do that, then while when you leave the military, you might not know exactly what the next step is, right? I'd imagine if people listen to this podcast, real estate investing is probably up on the top of the list. Right. But if you're focusing on optimizing yourself every day and being the best version of yourself, you're going to gain clarity as to the next step in your life much faster. You're going to gain that clarity from a place of 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 peak mental health so that you actually feel confident and you feel motivated and you feel capable of taking that next step and creating the new next version of your life after the military. So again, it all goes back to make sure you're investing time every day in your personal development to become the best version of yourself so that everything that you touch, your relationships, your finances, your business, your health, you're touching it from the best place you possibly can 
so that you're going to optimize the the things that you create. I love that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've, I've got, everybody has their own struggles and, you know, so I've, <clears throat> I've had a therapist for a little while, uh, you know, just to help talk through stuff. And, and actually, uh, I had a therapist even before that just to help work through, uh, like limiting beliefs with, within the business, which was actually really helpful. Like not a business coach, although I've had those and that was very helpful, but just to like, talk through like why the heck do i feel like x when y happens within um which is really beneficial uh but one of the things that she was telling me the other day was was very similar right it was like dude like you can't control what that person does or does not do so yeah maybe that is what should happen but you have you know you worrying about it does nothing so why don't you just go Hang out with your friends more. I'm like, oh. Yeah, be at peace with what you can't change and focus all of your energy on what you can change, right? Really simple formula. Which is funny because it's stuff we all know in theory, but then like when you get in the heat of, you know, a transition or whatever, you're like, oh my gosh, everything's so terrible. And then you forget it. <laughs> we have thought patterns that are, you know, the thought patterns that are habitual, right? Like, Whenever we, I call it in, in the Miracle Morning book, I call it rear view mirror syndrome, where we have this rear view mirror in our subconscious mind, and usually we're not even aware that we're living through it, right? But whenever we're faced with a, a new challenge or a challenge period or an opportunity, we tend to check that rear view mirror and go, well, how did I approach this in the past? Right. And if there's nothing in the review mirror, like if it's a new opportunity, like real estate investing, I've never done it before. Then you check the review. There's nothing there. So therefore, now you have no confidence because you go, I have no I've never done anything like this before. Right. And, and then or or I tried something new and I failed in the past or I know someone that failed in the past. Right. You check that rear view. And unless the rear view shows you achieving the thing you're now considering at the highest level then you have to live from your potential, which is inherently unlimited, and borrow confidence from people like David, like you. Hey, David left the military. David started messing real estate. David's making money. David's got a podcast. David's successful. If he can do it, so can I. And we have to take that rearview mirror. We got to flip it up and go, no, I'm not going to live in the past. I'm not going to base who I am now on who I was, because that's what most of us do. We, 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 we make our choices now based on who we were in the past as opposed to who we could become, right? And to me, the miracle morning is every day when you're focused on who you can become through the, the six practices of the miracle morning, right? That gives you confidence to live into your potential rather than living from your past. And just for the audience listening, since Alex is not on this show to take the perfect opportunity for a jab there, I'll, I'll do it for him. Uh, yes, if I can invest in real estate, all of you will be just fine. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think the, uh, that's a great, great, uh, yeah, just a, a great concept and also probably a good segue talking about the rearview mirror to, uh, to roll right back to where all this began and go and tell a little bit more about your story. Yeah, the way I usually frame it is uh, as a rock, a rock bottoms, if you will. Like, I think we've all experienced rock bottoms in our life. And the way I define a rock bottom is it's any, any moment of adversity or a time period in your life where 
you're facing such difficulty that you question everything. You question your own sanity. <laughs> you question your capabilities. Um, you might question God, right? If you're spiritual or religious, go, God, why, how could this happen to me? Like, I don't deserve this, right? And and so, and rock bottoms are relative to each person. So to me, there's no judgment of like, well, what I've been through is worse than you or what he's been through is worse than she. Like, if you've ever had your heart broken when you were in junior high school, like that was a rock bottom and it felt like the end of the world, right? We've all, most of us have been there where you're like, oh my God, we were supposed to go to the dance together and I can't believe she broke up with me and now she likes Tom and Tom's such a jerk and right, like, but like your life is over. So at that moment in your life, while looking back now, we'd go, dude, it's a, it, it's a junior high crush. It's not a big deal. At that time, and by the way, as a parent, to me, this is something I try to always keep in mind, which is like when my kid is really distraught over something, rather than go, it's not a big deal. It doesn't actually matter. I go, for, I try to get into, put myself in his shoes, right? I mean, you know, it's the, the, the oldest, you know, story, uh, empathy. Like, put yourself in another person's shoes and really go, oh, um, what you've been through or what you're going through is difficult for you. So let me, let me meet you there. And so for me, uh, two rock bottoms that really led to the miracle morning. The first was when I was 20 years old, I was in sales. I was a sales rep for Cutco Cutlery and, uh, I was one of their top sales reps. So I was often asked to speak at conferences and, um, I spoke at an event one night. It was December 3rd, 1999. I was 20 years old. I had just bought a brand new Ford Mustang fresh off the lot like three weeks prior. And that night driving home after the meeting, my car was hit head on by a drunk driver at somewhere around 70 to 80 miles per hour and by a big full size Chevy truck, much larger than my little Ford Mustang. And the worst was yet to come. Like the airbags exploded, the windshield shattered, the front of the car was crushed, but my car was sent spinning into oncoming traffic and the car behind me crashed into my t-boned me into my driver's side door at 70 miles per hour and instantaneously that car crushed the left side of my door you know i mean door just broke twisted and smashed into my body and instantaneously my body was crushed i broke 11 bones i broke my femur the largest bone in the human body you know in my leg i broke it in half uh one half actually speared out the side of my thigh through the skin um, I broke my pelvis in three places. It was crushed between the center console of the door the, and the center console. Um, I broke my arm in half behind my humerus bone. I shattered my elbow. I severed the nerve in my forearm. My ear was almost completely severed. I crushed my eye socket and the ceiling buckled and it sliced a V in the top of my head. And I was bleeding from head to toe. And it took the uh, paramedics or actually the, the fire department almost an hour to cut me out of the car with the jaws of life. And when they did, I bled out and I was clinically dead. I, I, I my heart stopped beating. Uh, I wasn't breathing. I had no pulse. I was clinically dead for approximately six minutes. And the paramedics uh, put me onto a medevac helicopter and they revived me with the defibrillators. They shot me back to life, hooked me up to an IV and they flew me, they airlifted me to the hospital. I spent six days in a coma flatline twice more, which my poor parents, man, they had the worst of it. Like they were by my bedside, you know, watching me fight for my life. And, um, I came out of the coma six days later to face this reality that, you know, that I didn't know anything about until I woke up and I went, wait, 
I, I've been in this car accident. I broke 11 bones. I suffered permanent brain damage. Um, I, they said I would never walk again. And you know, it's, it, it's like, it's pretty hard to, to handle that reality. And here's the lesson that I want to share with everybody. And we'll get into the miracle morning, but this, this is, to me, this is one of the most important lessons I've ever learned. Um, and I learned it a year and a half before my car accident, when I was in my Cutco sales training and it's called the five minute rule. And my manager, my mentor, who happened to be the number one manager in the company at the time. So I had very good leadership, which I, I attribute most of my success to, but he basically said sales, and this is true for real estate investing, right? But he said, sales is a, uh, it's, it's a microcosm for adversity, but it's accelerated. So the way he explained it was, he said, the average person faces rejection occasionally. He said, you're going to face it every single day, multiple times a day, when you're calling prospects, when you're, when you're asking for the order, when you're asking for referrals, you're going to hear no more than the average person does, you know, in probably a year, every day. So he said, you need a strategy to be able to deal with the, the adversity, the challenges, the failure, the rejection, et cetera. So he said, when something happens, once it's happened, you can't go back in time and change it. So there's no point in wishing that it didn't happen. He said, the five minute rule states that you set your timer for five minutes, whenever something goes wrong, and this is applicable, not just to sales, but as you'll hear in a minute here, my car accident and being told I would never walk again. He said, when the timer goes for five minutes, you get five minutes to bitch, moan, complain, cry, vent, you know, punch a wall, like, oh, like feel like don't suppress your emotion and just be like, everything's okay. Everything's okay. No, feel it fully. And he said, but when the timer goes off after five minutes, you say three very powerful words, can't change it. It's a simple acknowledgement that I can't change it. Whether it happened five minutes ago, five days ago, five months ago, or five decades ago, I can't change it. Now, maybe I can do something now to change it moving forward, but there's no point in dwelling on something that's in the past and, and, and has already happened. So he said, you, you, you say, can't change it. You take a deep breath and you realize, okay, I can't change it. So there's no point in feeling sorry for myself or continuing to be angry or upset. And this applies to everything. My marriage, the five minute rule saves me when my wife and I are in an argument or a conflict or she does something that upsets me. Rather than dwelling on it for hours or letting it ruin our entire day or days or weeks, right? Um, I give myself five minutes. I feel upset and I go, I can't change it. Uh, this happened five minutes ago. What do I want? And that's the question after can't change it. What do I want moving forward? And, what, and it goes back to focusing on what's in your control. What is in my control? And so I came out of the coma. I had to face this reality. Now, to be honest, it took more than five minutes because it took me a few days to process what in the hell's going, what's my life going to be like? I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life. What does that mean I can't do that I thought I could do, right? And uh, a few days go by, actually two weeks, no, one week, no, two weeks went by, sorry, um, brain damage. And my dad comes in, he says, Hal, the doctors are concerned. I said, what do you mean? He said, they called me and your mom in today and they gave us an update on your condition. And they believe that you're in denial over what's happened to you. I said, what, why? What do you mean? 
He said, well, they told us that you're always smiling and laughing and joking and, and, and making them laugh. And they said, that's not normal for a, anyone, let alone a 20 year old that's been in the kind of accident you've been, has all these broken bones, obviously scarring. Um, at that point, they thought I'd be blind in my left eye because I had a bandage over my left eye and the eye socket was broken. They thought I'd be blind. And they said, it's not normal for you to be all happy-go-lucky. So they believe that you're in denial. They said, you should be sad, scared, angry, and or depressed. And they wanted me and your mom to talk to you and get to the bottom of how you're really feeling. He said, how it's okay to feel sad, scared, angry, and depressed. Let's talk about it. And I'm looking at my dad, and I mean, his, he's like holding back tears. This is a very serious, you know, he's, he's, he's watching his son fight for his life. And, you know, he's, it, it, it is harder for him than me. And I really went inside, and I, it, it, mentally I thought, okay, am I, am, I, am I in denial? Am I, am I really scared or depressed or angry? And I considered it, and then I looked at my dad. I thought, Dad, I thought you knew me better than that. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I live my life by the five-minute rule. It's been two weeks since the car accident. I've had my time to be afraid and scat, what, all those things you mentioned. I go, What's the, there's, I, I don't see any value in living in, in that state over something I can't change. I said, look, I was in a car accident. I can't change that. I broke 11 bones. I can't change that. I have like no short-term memory and I can't change that. But I can choose my mental and emotional state. And I don't want to be scared or sad or angry or depressed. I don't see any value in that. So I'm choosing to be the happiest and the most grateful I have ever been while I endure the most difficult time in my life. And if you're listening to this right now or you're watching this, I want you to really consider that for yourself. That you have the power to choose to be the happiest and the most grateful or, or, or you, you get to fill in that blank, or the most at peace, or the, 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 the calmest, whatever it is. Like, we tend to blame our outer world for the way we feel in our inner world. Like, when, when we're upset over something, whether it's angry or sad or whatever, we always point and blame something outside of us for the way that we feel. We go, of course I'm angry. Didn't you hear what she said to me? Of course I'm angry. It's like, okay, but... What she said to you is not determining your mental and emotional state. You are. But most people, they don't consciously take on that responsibility. So they, they blame the external world for how they feel. They go, if, if you go, I feel blank because of blank, unless the because of, unless that blank is because I'm choosing, whether unconsciously or consciously, to feel that way, then it is a false statement. No one can make you feel any way other than you allowing yourself to feel that way. So the five-minute rule, I realized that, wow, I have the power no matter what happens to me, whether it's a, a customer canceling their order at Cutco or it's being told I'm never going to walk again. I realized that I get to choose how I feel in every moment. And the way the, the key to being able to do that is one word, David, it's acceptance. After those five minutes are up and you say, can't change it, 
That's the bridge to, therefore, I accept my life exactly as it is. It doesn't mean I'm happy about the thing, the circumstance. The, the, we, it doesn't mean you're happy about the thing. It means that you're at peace with what you can't change. It's a choice of how you go through life. And so that, to me, uh, is one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned because without it, I'm at the mercy of my uncontrollable, you know, outer forces. What people say or do, what happens or doesn't happen, the economy, the government. And if you're allowing your mental and emotional state to be dictated by outside forces, then you're, you're living completely out of control. And it's time to take control of your life and decide that no matter what happens to me, I choose how I experience every moment of my life in terms of how I feel, what I'm at peace with, etc. So that that's the first and foremost, one of the powerful lessons. And that that really led me on the path to go, okay, I want to not sell knives for the rest of my life. Not there's anything wrong with that, but I want to help other people. I want to share my story and, and the lessons that I've learned. And, you know, and then years later, um, you know, the miracle morning came about. Yeah. Which is Man, I mean, and what a powerful, just such a simple lesson, right? In theory, right? Obviously, easier in in theory than in practice. But the idea that your, you know, the the whole concept of your your thinking and your beliefs become your reality rather than the other way around, and that you can choose to accept the situation as it is, not dwell in it, and essentially move on, right, and be grateful for what you have and uh, the irony when you think of, you know, medical professionals going to your parents and saying, he's in denial, he's too happy, you know, but you, you're not the first person I've heard say things like that. In fact, I interviewed a gentleman back in the day, uh, Jason Redman. I don't know if you've ever talked to him. He's a, a Navy SEAL who, uh, he'd been shot a few times and, and whatever. Um, and when he was in the hospital, people kept coming in and it was like the he, he kind of calls it like a pity party. And he essentially like posted a, a note on the door that was just like, unless you're coming in here happy, like go away. It was like a full like letter, but it was just like, you know, like whatever. And that was essentially the premise was like, no, just go away. Like we're happy in here. <laughs> and uh, it's always been interesting to me to hear stories of when people go through things that are just that difficult and the people who make it through and come out on the other side, it seems like a very common theme is that it has something to do with that way of thinking, the gratitude, the positivity, the, it's a very powerful thing, especially when you can harness it before you get to that point. <laughs> I've had people say to me like, oh, well, if I went through what you went through, I'd be that positive too, or I'd have that perspective. I go, that's um, okay, but what, how about don't go through it and then just adopt the perspective? <laughs> like that seems like a much easier route, you know? Well, and let's be real. I think that's also like a very, uh, that narrative is, is riddled with survivor bias, right? Like how many people went through something similar to what you went through and did not come out nearly as positive as I've met people. I met, I, I so I, I know a gal that was, uh, in a, she was hit by a drunk driver when she was younger. Um, not, not nearly as severe. And on the anniversary of, her being hit by the drunk driver, she posts a scathing, I hope you are rotting in hell uh, post on Facebook. So it's like, she's still suffering, oh, mentally and emotionally over that car accident that happened however many, you know, 20 years ago or something. And uh, she doesn't have to be, 
right? And that's the thing is, again, if you believe that your external circumstances uh, determine your mental and emotional well-being, if you allow that to be the case, then that is the case. And that is true. But if you decide that, you know what, I can't, I'm not going to allow the things that are out of my control determine the one thing that's in my control, which is how I experience my life. You know, Viktor Frankl wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. He was a Nazi concentration camp survivor. And the lesson from that was that between stimulus and response, meaning something happens, and then I choose how I respond to it, there's a space. And within that space is the freedom to choose, right? You can either be miserable or you can be happy. Either way, life's going to do what it does. You just have to decide how you want to live it. What do you think? Oh, this is this is an interesting question, given the context of our conversation. What do you think of his theory, or not theory, but his? I guess you would call it just him noticing. Whatever. I think I can't draw a blank on the what he the the correct word, but his uh, epiphany maybe would be the word. I don't know. Anyway. Um, that the people that didn't make it were the optimists, the ones who struggled the most. He, I always found that to be a very fascinating observation is the word that I was going for. But he always, he that was one of the things that I found very, uh, man, that, that like conflicted so much with what I believe fundamentally. Because I would consider myself to like, although I, you know, I complain just like everyone else in the world, but I would consider myself generally to have a somewhat optimistic nature and both probably too trusting and in people, uh, but man, like, very interesting observation, given that he also believes, like what you just said, where, you know, you can choose to be happy or you can choose to not be happy. But yeah, what it, here's what I think it is, is that, and that's a really, I'm glad you asked that. That is really interesting, right? Is that he said the people that were super optimistic, everything's going to be great, were the ones that didn't make it because they couldn't handle when it wasn't great. And so to me, it's it's about being able to hold space for both, for all possibilities at the same time. So the way I, in fact, that same conversation with my dad in the hospital, I said, dad, if I'm in a wheelchair for the rest of my life, if the doctors are right, I will be the, I've already thought about it. I've visualized it. And I imagine I will be the happiest, most grateful person you've ever seen in a wheelchair. So it wasn't, I said, but I'm not willing to accept that until I'm proven. Like it's too early for that to be the only option. What if they're wrong? How, how can they know what they don't know? Who knows? I said, so. I am simultaneously accepting the worst case scenario and I'm totally at peace with it, right? So the optimist would have been like, I'm going to walk again for sure, no matter what, there's no other option. And then, and then if they didn't, they would have just been destroyed and shattered. For me, it's like, well, no, if I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, I'm going to be happy, but I'm going to visualize walking every day. I'm going to pray about it every day while I simultaneously am at peace if it never happens. And so I think that's where we want to get to is where we can be at peace no matter what happens. So it's being an optimist while you're at peace with all scenarios, right? So it's, it's holding both of those. Yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a really good theory. Um, so, okay. So I know you've got, you've got an appointment here. You got to run to here in a minute. So I got one or two questions that I wanted to ask. So we'll try to, uh, uh, we'll rush through, but like not, not super long, long winded ones. Uh, one I mentioned to you earlier that I had texted a friend this morning to send her a uh, basically a screenshot of the uh, the calendar and and say, hey, look who I get to interview, and uh, is there any questions that you would like to ask him that 
you know, because I know she's a fan. Uh, tech, I, I should be full transparency. The text I actually sent was that screenshot, and the uh, the text read, "Nana nana boo boo, look who I did." <laughs> but but uh, uh, but uh, so shout out to Shelby. Uh, but but she she hit me with a question that I didn't expect, uh, which actually kind of interesting, um, just because it's totally not related to what we talk about. Uh, she was just curious, uh, is part of your routine, what is your diet like? Food, nutrition, are you a very strict, you know, nutrition guy? So strict. Uh, Fit into savers. Okay. But I only eat things that I love the taste of. Um, so here's the thing that it works. Um, that, you know, when I, so I used to be, I was vegan in like my twenties. I tried that. Um, I got cancer five, six years ago and I was uh, given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving. Um, and so then I examined, okay, I think I thought I really healthy, what might've caused my cancer. And I evaluated diet and sleep and, you know, supplements that I've taken, which I mean, shoot in my twenties, I, I took a lot of GNC supplements that, that are not healthy in any way. It got red dye 40 and blue dye and yellow, you know, all this crap. Um, but so now, uh, basically I am organic vegan by day and paleo by night. Um, so every morning I start with some green tea and then I make a smoothie with, um, you know, berries and spinach and organic vanilla protein powder. Um, for lunch, I have a salad, uh, with, with, but it has protein in the form of it has a lot of nuts and seeds and that kind of thing on it. Um, and then for dinner, I have whatever my wife makes typically, which usually is, you know, grass fed steak or pasture raised chicken or some wild caught salmon that kind of thing. So yeah, so I, but it, but I'm a, but it's a very clean diet in terms of like I, what I won't put in my body. I won't put pesticides. I won't put, you know, uh, un sugar. I won't like, or, or very minimally. So, um, I won't eat out at very many restaurants because seed oils are inflammatory, which causes all sorts of disease, including cancer. And I'd say 99.9% .9 of restaurants use seed oils as well as you know, pesticides and their vegetables, et cetera. So there's literally like three restaurants in Austin that I can eat at that I've called all the restaurants. Like these three actually are legitimately clean uh, ingredients. So yeah, so that's the, the answer for her for sure. Interesting. But like best of both worlds, you get vegan and also still steak and salmon. That's pretty cool. Uh, I, you, I don't know if you've ever sat down and talked in detail with Gabe Hamill, but it sounds like the two of you would get along pretty well uh food wise nice i have not he's uh yeah he's he's uh all he's been i think vegan for like 20 years he's like the fittest go abundance dude i've ever met or person probably um you know one that i always like to ask people that is just kind of fun has nothing to, really to do with anything is just you think there's a you know what uh having been around the business space as well as everything else that you've done in the inspiration space uh have you, do you see a difference? And I don't know if you've employed or worked with a lot of veterans, but I always like to try to ask, do you notice a difference if you have employed with or worked with a lot of veterans or like what kind of trait or opportunity do you think service members or vets uh, might come out of the military with that you might've recognized that sets them apart? If, if anything stood out to you. Honestly, I, I think that it's anything that they apply themselves to because the, the military does teach such discipline and structure, and it does give you a routine, right, or, or routines. And to me, that has been the key to my success is identifying what are the rituals and routines that I need to be successful. The Miracle Morning is a foundational ritual, right? 
Um, and that's the only one I wrote a book about because it, it's been the most effective and universally applicable ritual to my life. But when I was in sales, it was I committed to make 20 calls a day regardless of basically my secret to sales success was commit to the process of my daily phone calls without being emotionally attached to my results because I know the averages will work out. And you can apply that to real estate, you can apply it to anything, right? If you put in the effort consistently, you know, 20 reps, 20 calls, 20, whatever it is, right? Then you're going to see results over an extended period of time. And so to me, uh, yeah, anything that you do as a, as a veteran, just think of it in terms of, okay, what are the rituals and routines that I need to put in place that will enable me to be successful? So with real estate, it would first be, you know, well, I need to spend an hour a day learning. I'm going to invest an hour a day on learning real estate, right? Maybe it's an hour a day on learning and an hour a day applying what you learn. But putting those recurring rituals in your schedule, as relatively simple as that is, it literally is the secret to success. Because if you de if, if you dedicate that time consistently, you're you're going to keep making progress, you know, and uh, and eventually get where you want to go. I love it. Yeah, I think yeah, consistency, discipline great uh any anything that we missed and then where can people get a hold of you yeah um you know the miracle morning is if i were if you're listening to this um the miracle morning has been the most life-changing practice that i've ever implemented and obviously i've shared it with you know millions of people do it around the world um there is a free movie the miracle morning documentary there is a free app which you can download on your phone uh and then the book is on amazon it's a you know it's, it's a 15 dollar book or 20 bucks or whatever it is um, but uh, if you go to MiracleMorning.com, you can get access to the free movie. Uh, you can get access to the free app. And then, you know, you can see what uh, the Miracle Morning book is there as well. And there's there's actually the Miracle Morning for Real Estate Agents is another one of the books in the series. The Miracle Morning for Salespeople, Miracle Morning for Parents and Families, Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery. So there's about 14 books in the series. Um, but I always encourage people to start with the free stuff. Like the first thing, if you've never seen the Miracle Morning documentary, it is a profound movie. It's got a 4.8 or 4.7 out of five stars on Amazon Prime. Um, and again, you can watch it free at MiracleMorning.com. Uh, yeah. And I, uh, if you, just in case you somehow missed the video I shared at the very beginning, uh, you guys can probably tell I'm a huge fan of the Miracle Morning and have been doing it for quite some time now. And I'd like to think that I'm at least somewhat of a representation of success. Heck yeah, heck yeah, Dan. Thank you for uh, leading by example, brother. Hal, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a pleasure. I've I've been following along for a while and I'm a big fan and it's it's nice to finally uh, connect and have you on the show. So thank you very much. Thank you. And Shelby Nanaboo-boo. <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.